0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Duck Show. My name's Doug Huntington, And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about seven mindset tips for working online. And the sort of the general idea here. Now, this one, my friends, is a rebroadcast. It's summertime. I'm trying to take a little time off. I'm recording stuff in advance. And this was a good episode got good feedback. There are hopefully some ideas that you can use. And I think, I think they're relatable in in many ways. So I hope you find it useful. The thing is we have something like 360 episodes in the Doug show. And there are, there's some good ones in the back catalog. And I, I think I'll probably start looking a little bit deeper, but this one was from way back. It was something like, well, I'm not even going to go and look, but it was from a while back. I think it was at least uh, six months or maybe a year ago. And I do find that if there's a good show out there, a good episode of a show that I like, I will actually listen to it again. So I hope you're uh, similar to me. I hope you're not the same as me. That would be, Um, tragic in multiple ways, but I hope you can appreciate listening to something that uh, you like, or maybe you missed it. You know, there's always new listeners popping on and maybe they don't listen to the full back catalog. So I hope you do enjoy this episode. Before I roll it, I want to thank a couple sponsors. First, we have Ezoic. I've been working with them for a few years. They have a product called Leap that helps your website load faster and get green and core web vitals and help helps you identify things that slow your website down. The cool thing with Ezoic is you're able to join and start using the, the products and some of the other uh, features before you uh, have a huge amount of traffic there's no page view minimum that's something they did away with a little while back so you can follow the link in the description here to join up with Ezoic and take advantage of some of the products they have and you know tell you what some people don't use Ezoic they have uh, maybe maybe they're against ads i have a good friend who uh, he just can't get over showing ads on his website which is, um, you know, respect, right? You know, if he doesn't want to do that and he doesn't have to, then that's okay to each their own. But the thing is, Ezoic has a fantastic blog. So even if you're not interested specifically with Ezoic, uh, for any other reason, you should check out their blog. So you could follow the link, head over there, check out the blog section and all that stuff. The other sponsor is niche website builders, and I've been working on this four month case study thing, which, you know, now that I'm looking at the dates, um, it's been longer than four months. That first, you know, month takes a little while to ramp up, you know, you start and then it takes like a few weeks before anything actually happens. So it's been a four month case study that's been going on for like a little bit longer than four months, but there's four packages of content that I'm getting. And at the time that I'm recording this right now, I just got a fresh batch, the third batch of content, which is very cool and published it very recently. The great part is you already see traction, right? So I have been doing some ongoing updates here and you can see that content that's published starts getting traffic within like days. And as this content ages, it should get more and more traffic. It should age a little bit. It should improve in rankings. We're doing some uh, minor improvements along the way. And by the time, by the time I'm publishing the fourth set of content, I will have had my VA start going back and revising and adding to some of the content we published in the first two batches, adding FAQs, adding more information and just beefing up those posts a little bit. So we're already seeing traction. And like I said, it's pretty cool. You know, when you have a site that's already out of the sandbox, you can publish content, especially when you're doing sort of a larger scale publishing 200,000 words, roughly 180 articles or so over the course of four months, when you do that and you get traction right away, it really uh, sort of motivates you to publish more content. And that's why you do hear people who publish a lot and they're like, well, this is just working. Awesome. I'm just going to keep publishing more and more content. So if you want to check out niche website builders, I'm using a 50,000 word per month plan. You could check it out. They have various plans out there. Um, Some smaller scale, some bigger scale, you can order in bulk, whatever you want to do. So thanks to both Ezoic and niche website builders. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about some mindset tips for, I think working online is the right title, but it could be as you're starting to work online or you're thinking about growing your current online business, something like that. These are probably helpful tips, whether you're just getting started or you've been doing this for a little while. I got the idea from my friend, Alex Cooper, who has a YouTube channel, WP Eagle. He invited me to be on his live stream not too long ago, and this was the topic. So I jotted down some notes just in case he asked me anything specific, and then we mostly answered questions from the audience. We talked about a couple, couple things, but I had some, well, almost fully formed ideas. So I thought, why throw away that piece of scrap paper when I can record... A whole podcast and talk about it. So that's that's where it came from. And check out the full live stream if you want to. We'll put a link in the description. Of course, that's on the YouTube side. And it was entertaining. It was fun. It's always fun to do live streams, especially as a guest. Then I don't have to drive the whole live stream and make sure it flows and watch the chat as closely. And I, I'm not 100% sure. But I suspect, because I do have some skills live streaming, that having me as a guest during a live stream is slightly helpful. Either that, or it's uh, more of a deterrent, and it's worse because I I think I know what I'm doing. But nevertheless, that's what we're going to talk about today. So a couple things. Number one, I'm going to plug a couple, couple things that I usually forget. If you haven't signed up for the email list, you could sign up for the Niche Site Project email list. I give out all my templates and send out emails like three times a week, two to three times a week, depending on what's going on. I'll sometimes point you towards uh, things that I published that week or things that I found to be popular. And I'm, I'm trying to share that with you. So there are uh, some, some goodies that you can get, calculators, templates, stuff like that. And then the other one is my other podcast, Mile High Fi. I talk about financial independence with my co-host, Carl Jensen, who has a blog called 1500days.com. He's pretty well known and he's kind of a one of the pillars in the financial independence community. And he retired when he was 43 and it's a really fun show. We have several shows where it's just he and I, and it's kind of like sitting in and listening to us just have a fun conversation. We also interview people, usually people a lot smarter than us. In fact, we're going to interview someone who worked at Google for a long time, and they graduated from Princeton. They have an MBA from Cornell and some other certifications. So if you could check off any boxes for being, you know, well accomplished, I, I think that person hits them all. So it's gonna be a fun interview. And we, we we talk to smart people. That's the point. We talk to smart people and interview them, and then we're also slightly immature. So a lot of the, personal finance and financial independence podcast, they're a little more stuffy. They're a lot more stuffy in in some cases, a lot of good information. And Carl and I, we just have, have a good time. We try to have a good time. In fact, the episodes that we have the most fun, we typically are the most immature, which I think that says a lot about both Carl and I. So anyway, check out that show, Mile High Fi. And I think there, there was probably gonna be like 20 episodes out by the time this publishes. And I, I mean, honestly, it's going great. We've had good uh, acceptance from the community. Carl knows so many people and he's been blogging for roughly eight years in that space. So it's, it was really a good... Um, Collaboration between the two of us, since we have different networks and different skills, and he's been awesome in dragging me along to some very cool events. Like I'm going to this event called Economy in November, and that's in Cincinnati. So I'm actually Carl and I are both going, and it's of course like uh, many conferences is open to whoever wants to go. So if you want to check it out, you could just look up the Economy Conference and. It's uh, all about community, and I think it'll be a few hundred people. Carl speaking. I'm just going as an attendee. Then we're also going to the uh, conference called FinCon, which by the time this publishes may have already taken place or it's about to, but that's in Austin, Texas, which, gosh, that's a town I love. I'll come back to that towards the end of the episode. I won't go in too much of a rant, but Austin is fantastic. And I have some friends in town there. I'm going a few days early barbecue. I'll talk more about it at the end. So, and I think we'll just give one shout out before we get to the seven items that I have listed here. And that is to Ezoic and their product called Leap and just Ezoic in general. They've been sponsoring me for a while. It's been a great relationship. They can um, help you out with your site loading to get your site loading faster with Leap. It'll help you get green in your core web vitals, which is something that I have struggled with on one of my sites with a... Specific configuration, but I've rejiggered a few things, and I think I'm in good shape now. But if you find yourself struggling with the Core Web Vitals or Site Speed, Leap can help you out. Of course, if you're looking for an ad network to use and running display ads on your site, you can check out Ezoic. They don't have any page view limits, and they have uh, you know premium ads that you can run on your site. So you can check it out. There's going to be a link in the show notes here and. Thanks to Ezoic. Now, let's get to these mindset tips. So, number one, these are no particular order. All right. So, I I listed them out. Some of them kind of go together a little bit, but as a whole, I hope it'll bring you some value. I hope it makes sense altogether and you can at least take one or two of these and implement it in the way that you're running your business or that you're thinking about your business. So number one is to test your ideas, especially before scaling them. So I've definitely I've, I've made this mistake. So in the very beginning, I learned about making money online and I was trying to launch some AdSense sites. I should have just launched one until I figured out what was going on and until I figured out how to do it. I tried to launch a few sites all in the same six-week period from the first time that I ever heard about internet marketing or keyword research, which sounds a little bit laughable at this point, but I tried to start a few sites. I bought several uh, domains. I set up WordPress and I felt stressed out because I was really not making any progress in any one of the areas in any one of the sites. I was doing keyword research completely incorrectly and I was trying to do things um, really without paying for any tools. So I was trying to use uh, free tools, which usually those are very limiting in the data that you can get. And I was you know, basically trying to scale before I had tested the idea. I'm talking about AdSense sites. That's the experience that I had, but it could be for almost anything. It could be podcasting or YouTube or drop shipping or fill in some other business model. If you are thinking you wanna try something out, it's very smart to test out the idea first. There could be a chance that it actually works, but that you hate doing that kind of work or the process involved. When I got laid off in 2015, I tried a few business models all at the same time, which it turned out to be okay at that time for me to work on multiple things. Thinking back, I wasn't too stressed out. I didn't fall on my face too much, but I discovered that a service-based business like uh, an agency, an SEO agency or a content agency didn't make me very happy. I sort of dreaded that work. I was pretty good at it. I was able to implement and execute and hire people to help me out. And it just didn't seem like it was something that I wanted to be successful in. It was generating, uh, I think I only ran it for about six months, but it was generating, you know, what would have been six figures of revenue per year. And it would have been fine, but I thought about what, what it, happen if this works out. So 12 months in the future, 18 months, what would this look like if I keep expanding? If I grow this, if I'm successful, what does this look like? And do I want to be doing that? So once I did that thought experiment, I realized that, well, no, this, this really sucks. This will be terrible (laughs) if it's successful. So I 100% pulled the plug on it, shut it down as quickly as possible, and started moving forward with other things. One of those things was the keyword golden ratio and starting to explore what would happen. And, you know, in a recursive way here, I tested out the keyword golden ratio in a small sample, 20 articles at first. It worked out okay. I gave it plenty of time. I had some KPIs that I was looking at, some metrics to make sure that things turned out how I expected or hoped them to, hoped for them to. And then I scaled after I tested it and gave it some time. So test your ideas. Think about the big picture. Think about what happens if you test the idea and it's successful. Is that a route that you want to go? Or is it something that you realize you don't want to do? So next is expect to make some mistakes. Even if you know what you're doing, there's a pretty good chance you're going to make some small minor mistakes. And I didn't think about what I was going to say here beforehand, but I feel like I've, I've heard this analogy before, like a carpenter is making a chair, for example. And the carpenter doesn't have to have every single cut, every single piece of the chair, every component 100% right. There's going to be little mistakes along the way. The thing that makes a great carpenter is being able to adjust and recognize that this um, rung is not going to fit that well into the seat. So we need to make small minor adjustments along the way. And maybe the leg is is a little bit off. Maybe it's angle that the cut is uh, just a little bit off, but if you can fix it before you keep moving forward, you're going to be okay. And those are just minor little mistakes. That's probably going to happen with most of the things that you're working on. In fact, I've been trying to play more guitar lately, which is so fun. I've really enjoyed the challenge and It's gosh, it's like handing a small child that's never played guitar before and uh, trying to get them to play. It was like kind of going back to square one because I'm trying to learn finger style. And sure, I know some chord shapes and some basic mechanics, but uh, getting the coordination between the, the fingers and having them act independently, extremely difficult. It is so very hard. And the point is, even when I know exactly what I need to play and my my fingers know what they need to do. And I am developing some of that coordination. I still fuck up all the time, even for things that I played so many times in a row. So even if you know what to do, chances are mistakes will be made. Now, it's gonna be more mistakes as as you start. Hopefully you will recognize the mistakes, reflect upon them and hopefully not make them in the future, that's one of the key things. I definitely made tons of mistakes and I made them multiple times. I learned the lesson even harder at that point, but the point is, if you recognize that you've made a mistake, don't make that mistake again. Think about it, you know, when things don't turn out how you planned or how you expected, look at the process, look at what you did, Maybe there were external factors involved, but try to recognize those things, especially after they happen, right? In hindsight, it could be much easier. I mean, there's a whole it's a cliche. Yeah, it's much easier to recognize in hindsight. It's 2020. So look at the mistakes that you've made and try to draw some value from it. And hopefully, that value is not to make the mistake again, right? So if you can stop making the same mistakes again and again, you're gonna be in much better shape. Number three, get help or ask more experienced people, which perhaps is redundant, but maybe you find this in the form of a mastermind group. So I, I formed mastermind groups as soon as I got started online. I think it was, I mean, really within two months or so. And one of the things that I became good at through my corporate job, was to pull together meetings, facilitate meetings, schedule them, make sure they run in an effective manner and efficiently and they they don't take too long and everyone gets to talk. I set up a mastermind group really quickly and most of the people were way more experienced than me because, well, I put the group together. So not everyone, but I think the majority of the folks were a couple years in and the value there is one, I, I was adding value because I was able to pull together the meetings and and run the meetings and schedule it and take care of the part that the other people either didn't know how to do or didn't want to do. And I obviously was getting value because I was able to learn from people that were ahead of me. Now, this was a mastermind group out of the Gosh, it was a smart passive income, like niche site dual 2.0. It's when Pat Flynn created the food trucker site and all that stuff. So there was like a forum and I I pulled together a mastermind group and some people were from across the world, you know, pretty, pretty cool stuff. And I think, I think it dissolved within two months or so. Maybe I talked to a couple people for a few weeks after that. But these people fizzled out. I mean, they just did not have the drive or interest to do the same shit as me. And I, I sort of surpassed what they were trying to do or thought that they wanted to do. I mean, I, you know, I'm certainly not judging them for not continuing on or not having interest or the drive. Everyone has shit that they want to do or things they're interested in. I can't fault them at all for thinking. Ah, oh, you know what? This is pretty fucking boring. I don't want to do this anymore. This guy Doug, he's he's running these meetings like it's work or something. Which I, you know, I treated it like work, but I mean, I I got a lot more out of it uh, very quickly. And they are probably doing, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how they they judge it, they're doing the same shit that they were doing before. You know, if you're if you're doing the same things and getting the same results and you're in an inertia state, then you're probably going to keep doing the same sort of thing. So as time went on, I networked and I continued to grow skills and I actually got into other mastermind groups, not always the same sort of uh, imbalance where I knew nothing but it was adding value by facilitating the meetings, but where maybe I had good project management skills and some SEO and someone else was really good at conversion rate optimization or something like that. There's tons of overlap, right? With online marketers, a lot of us have very similar skills, but we all draw from different information. We follow different blogs, different podcasts, read news in a different way. So we were able to really, you know, kind of patch each other's holes of knowledge and get more information and learn from each other, which is kind of the idea of mastermind groups in a lot of ways. So you can go the mastermind group route. I know a lot of people love Facebook groups. Uh, It's not my cup of tea. I think there's probably some fantastic Facebook groups or even forums that would be something where I could Provide value and get value and be part of the community. But for whatever reason, I just don't have, I don't have the drive to figure out how to participate in an online community in that fashion. Things are going okay. So I'm not, I'm not trying to solve that problem. But there is like one particular forum, a paid membership site, which I love the people in the community. And I like all the content outlets that the the forum has. I'm not going to mention it here, but I'm just not into forums. Like I'm not going to type up a long forum post and, and I just, I, there's not... There's no mechanism. I I can't even find the words. I'm not interested in doing that, even though like that's how it works. Now, maybe if it was Zoom calls and you get together and chat and it's not exactly a mastermind meeting, but more of a social kind of thing where you do have very valuable side conversations, that'd be great. And if there were in-person meetings that I can go to that sort of fit with my schedule, then I would potentially do that too. But the forum or Facebook group mechanism doesn't really work for me. However, if you do spend time in Facebook groups, they are fantastic. So I'm told. (laughs) And you potentially can get help from people in those groups. I will get emails occasionally. Actually, I had a couple this week. They send an email. People are really nice. Hey, I'm a fan. I followed your stuff. I started a site two years ago. I have 400 posts. I get like 200 visitors a month. I don't know what's wrong. Can you help me? Well, I I unfortunately get too many of those requests and I'm unable to help everyone. So I really just support the students that I have, right? So that's what I need to do. So I stay sane, even though I would love to help every person. And I, I used to do that a lot more where I would take a look and give some people tips, but if you find yourself in a situation and you know you try to reach out to me and I say, I'm sorry I can't help you I'm too busy then maybe you can send a, a private message a DM to someone in the Facebook group that appears to be trustworthy and knowledgeable and ask them for help. The other way that you can, do this is hire someone that's an expert. So you could hire me. I don't typically do that sort of thing, but there are other people out there can, that can audit your site. They can have a look and they can go maybe help you improve your conversion rates. Or maybe they can go through and do an SEO audit or a content audit or fill in the blank. They could audit your site for speed. So you can consult experts and potentially, you know, pay them for their expertise, hire people on Upwork or Fiverr or whatever. And you can get that knowledge that people have in their brains and they they want to help you out. They're offering it as a service. And then you can sort of shortcut the whole process. Now, there's something very valuable in making the, the mistakes that I we talked about before. But if you can obviously learn from other people's mistakes, well, that's even better. You didn't even have to make the mistake yourself. It may not stick quite as much. I know there are mistakes that I've made where I, well, shit, I've been warned. I knew it was a risk and then I took it anyway. So, Sometimes you have to learn it on your own and, you know, take, take the, uh, take the shot, the chip on the punch in the face. I'm not sure what the, what the expression is, but sometimes you have to make the mistake yourself to learn, but if you can learn from other people, that's even better. You might be able to sort of short circuit this another way, although I, I don't advise it if you go not to my YouTube live streams, but if you go to uh, like Alex WP Eagles live streams, he's a lot more likely. And sometimes he even does site reviews. I don't know if he does that all the time, but occasionally he'll ask people to submit their site and he'll review them. I know other sites do it as well. other, Other YouTubers and stuff, but you may not want to do that because it won't be nearly as in depth As if you hire someone, if Alex is doing a live stream or more specifically, if I'm doing a live stream, I'm probably covering some other topic. So for me to actually go and audit someone's site, it's going to be a 60 second look and the most superficial piece of feedback that I can give. And that is one of the reasons I don't do like live site reviews. There's a host of other reasons, but If you can get advice from more experienced people, that's a fantastic thing to do and plug for courses, right? I'm biased because I sell courses, but I've purchased, uh, several, I'm trying to think I would say under 10, but more than five premium courses that cost between one and you know, $4,000 over the years and Every one of them has been worth it in some way or another. Sometimes you only learn one or two things, but they are highly leveraged pieces of information where you get a completely unbalanced return from what you learned. So one of those was a copywriting course that I took. Pretty straightforward. It was a lot of things that I knew pretty well But the course was very cohesive and really took you from start to finish. And it wasn't the only copywriting course that I took, but this one was particularly effective and I think I paid $2,000 for it. I go back and check out some of the modules and I think I enrolled three years ago, three, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. So it's still... Useful. There wasn't anything that was too uh, like, what word am I looking for? That was Georgie shaking, shaking her collar there, saying hello. So they didn't have anything in that course that was too like timely, and everything was timeless. It is evergreen. The information will work for many, many years. It was not necessarily generic, but it, it wasn't reliant on anything. That was going to go out of date or out of style or anything like that. So that, that could be something to look for if you are looking at a course. And then the other thing is with most courses, with good courses, they will have support. So you're able to ask questions from people that are more experienced. Number four, don't spend all your time researching, take action. Now, I told you I made a bunch of mistakes in the beginning, and I still make mistakes. Part of that reason is, what I took action. I never thought of myself as someone who took action all the time or was really driven or ambitious or anything like that, but I spent a lot of time researching, and then I started implementing pretty quickly. I know some of the people that I followed in the beginning, like Pat Flynn, like Spencer Hawes. They would say, you're going to make some mistakes and it's going to be okay. Just keep moving forward. So I knew that it wasn't going to all work out perfectly the first try. I didn't have any specific plan for exactly what I was trying to do. I didn't have any vision that I I thought, hey, I want to quit my job in the future. I just thought, hey, I want to make a couple hundred bucks. Maybe that would be cool to you know, earn my car payment as a side hustle. That would be really neat. So I, I was just trying to figure some things out. So I would do a lot of research and I, I was listening to podcasts and I was reading blogs and reading them again. And I probably listened to Spencer's uh, podcast, some of the, the early ones, you know, three, four times each. I mean, I, I was really obsessed and I would learn something, take action, test it. And I didn't, I didn't endlessly research. And that's something I see fairly often where someone has had an idea for years. They've had an idea that they're sitting on and they just haven't done anything with it. Now, I can understand that you have to wait until the time is right. And the problem is, It's not ever going to be perfect, and I I think in the four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss says that the traffic lights of life are never going to line up and turn green all at the same time. There's always going to be some reason that you shouldn't do it. There's going to be some projects at work, or there's going to be some, you know, uh, making make up making up things now, but uh, th- there's not enough uh, sunlight in the day because it's winter time and you're not going to be able to work on it, what, whatever thing that I'm making up in, in a very poor analogy. But the point is, it's going to be extremely rare when you think, oh, I have free time and all the resources and the drive to do it right now. Everything is lining up perfect. This is probably not going to happen. You're going to have to make some sacrifices here and there. You're going to have to prioritize what's important to you. And maybe when you're, you have young kids and you need to spend time with them when they are in the house all the time, as a person who doesn't have kids, I'm trying to make a relatable analogy here, but maybe when they get older and they're doing some more activities on their own, when they're teenagers, maybe then is a little bit of a better time Because they're out of their house, out of your house, doing their own thing a little bit and you have a little bit more free time. But maybe when they're, you know, toddlers, you need to be home a little bit more. So I can understand that. But the point is, you're going to have to take some action. You're you're potentially going to have to make some mistakes and it's going to be okay, but don't get stuck in the research phase and endlessly stay there. Really easy to do. Number five is stick to the basics. You can, you know, look at these time-tested ideas and probably do pretty well just implementing those. I'm specifically thinking of, you know, content websites, but it could be a lot of different things. So for content websites, a lot of it is doing good keyword research, publishing high quality content and then promoting the site in some capacity. And you don't necessarily have to do all of those things perfectly, but when you peel everything back and you look at it, you look at the mechanics, these are the same simple tactics and the simple strategies that people were doing a few years ago. And if you were on the edge of the I guess techniques and what was working and not working, you could be experimenting and playing in areas where it is not going to be as timely. So my example is using some of the gray hat link building techniques when I first got started in 2013 and 2014. So those techniques usually were around private blog networks used for link building. And I, I, Followed along because that's basically what people were doing that were successful at the time, the people that I was learning from. So I emulated that and uh, turns out a lot of us got penalized. Google would give us a manual penalty and some of the people that I learned from also got those penalties and they stopped using those techniques as well. So if I would have just stuck to the basics early on, which I, you know, I was too dumb to know that I was doing something that was that risky, but the basics of good keyword research, low competition keywords, and then publishing a lot of high quality content. I mean, the sites that were started in 2013 and followed along and did that were, I mean, they were fantastic and maybe they in the short term, maybe they were um, not ranking as well, not getting as much traffic, but if they had the longevity, right, if we think about things in a two to three, five-year timeline versus a six-month timeline, you can make much different decisions. You can make decisions that are a lot more conservative, yet effective, especially over time, far less risky. So if you, if you think about it that way, I mean, it really, it puts you in a different class, especially when especially on YouTube. I know this is a podcast. You guys are better than the YouTube folks. No, no offense, but we know they're not going to listen to the whole thing. The thing is uh, on YouTube, there's a lot of people who, I mean, they're still looking for the get rich quick scheme. They're looking at how they can make 10 K per month in three months with no upfront cost and uh, passive without doing any work after you set everything up, which is just, I mean, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> if it was that easy, of course, everyone would do it. So stick to the basics, stick to the basics that work. We can try to make things more complicated. We can try to outsmart, um, Google in the short term, but in the long run, that those things are probably going to either catch up with you, or you will have spent a lot of time trying to, you know, fit into that round hole when you could have just stayed the course with the simple, straightforward strategies. And I'm trying to think of an analogy maybe for the YouTube side. And I mean, potentially it's almost the same thing. Look for topics that people are searching for. People are looking for a solution and publish videos on that, publish a lot of videos on it. And hopefully incrementally you'll slowly improve over time as you create more videos and you know we can we can look at some of the algorithm changes on youtube which i'm not sure in the audience how many people are as familiar but there was a time where youtube really favored live streaming or they really favored short videos that were under 10 minutes. Or when they shifted and they started favoring videos that were over 10 minutes and really long or really long live streams. And now we're at a spot where these uh, shorts, right? The I think they're 60 second shorts and it's basically YouTube's attempt to compete with TikTok and Instagram Reels. So those are, Things that I don't give a shit about too much. Sure, I'll get sucked in and watch some some of those short videos. But as far as producing content around there, I have no interest in playing that game. I think i um, you know, potentially, right? I'm I could spend time, figure it out, and do a better um, job than I am now, which is, you know, no job at all. <laughs> and and try to publish on TikTok or those shorts and republish and get more views and subscribers and all that. But when I step back and think, okay, how does this play out in 12, 18 months? And right now the algorithm f- favors those shorter videos and people like to watch them. But most of the time, and this is a big assumption on my part, I'm pretty sure the people that are attracted to those and subscribe based on the short videos. Those are not people that will eventually um, want to consume my other content. I could be completely wrong, but that is, um, that's my excuse. <laughs> that's my own personal delusion in my head that allows me to just not worry about it. Um, I don't want to get into the game of creating 60 second videos it could be really easy. I I have a friend who he was on, he was on this podcast several months ago. I don't remember when, but the point is he was getting like millions of views on TikTok and he, you know, he's putting in the time and figuring out how to do it and learning and all that stuff. And for a second, I was like, ah, maybe I should spend some time on it. But it's like, something that I just don't want to do. So, if I turned out to be really successful and good creating those 60-second videos, I would be creating a uh, a life that I don't want to I don't even care about. So, you can make your own decisions on that, I guess. Now what was this? I think I went on a tangent there. Stick to the basics. Okay. Yeah, stick to the basics. That's good advice. Stick to the basics. Number 6. Don't scale before you're ready. Basically, when you do that, you will amplify your mistakes, your inefficiencies. You're gonna basically scale the things that you're not doing right. So I think I hit on this just a little bit in point number one with testing ideas, but it's worth it to mention again. And basically, I mean, I guess I'm part of the problem because I have published videos, I have published content where I say, I published a lot of content. I did this huge piece of massive action and here are the results that I got. And it is, well, I shouldn't be surprised that some people will think, well, I should try that too. If it worked for that particular case study, then maybe I should give it a shot too. Now, the good thing when you do scale up You'll learn very quickly if you have the proper feedback loop and you are thinking, hey, I, I want to look at the results and figure out how to continuously improve. That is a smart thing to do. So if you scale, even with some inefficiencies, it will expose them very quickly. So I would say as long as you're willing to go back and look at your fuck ups and fix them, Perhaps it's okay. But the the overall, I don't want to contradict myself in my, my own bullet point list here, don't scale before you're ready. So I think if you're taking action and you're you're doing something, you're getting results, you're able to look at those KPIs, you're able to look at the analytics and see this is working. This is what I expected to happen by doing this amount of effort. Fantastic. At that point, maybe maybe it's time to scale up a little bit. So one of the, one of the things that I can share is around uh, YouTube. So I did a handful of YouTube videos. I think I spent about a year doing live streams and trying to publish more. This was probably circa 2017, 2016, 2017. So, I was doing more and I was publishing more and I was getting data and I was learning. And then I looked at some of the metrics and I saw that a lot of people were finding me on YouTube and then following me elsewhere, whether it's on the blog or signing up for the email list or the podcast, right? So they were finding me discovering on YouTube and then they'd be part of the community, just like you are listening to this right now. So I thought, what if I do a lot more YouTube, which I I did. I started publishing a ton of videos and I've since scaled back. There was uh, some point of like, I guess, diminishing returns. And I mean, I can be self-critical too. I mean, one thing that I haven't been doing as well is taking the feedback and then changing my actions based on the feedback that I'm getting from, the audience, the analytics, and some of the other KPIs. Now I will say it has been a conscious decision for me to do that because if my goal is to grow on YouTube, well, I'm not doing that very well. If my goal is to be happy and really sustain a nice growing email list and a business with very few employees, well, I'm I'm pretty successful at that. So it is important to figure out the KPIs that you're measuring are those the ones that are contributing to the life that you're trying to live, the thing that you're trying to do. So if you're, you know, my goal is not to grow huge on YouTube. That is a byproduct of other things. Well, I'm not huge on YouTube, number one, but my goal is not to do that. My goal is something else. So, I was about to beat myself up. It was critical in one way, but it was a hole in this. these seven items here. Figure out what you're trying to do as well. Maybe that's point number eight, that we haven't got to point number seven, but number six, to summarize, don't scale before you're ready. You're just going to amplify those inefficiencies. Number seven, this is a question that some people, actually quite a few people have asked, and especially... The folks that are successful in their corporate world who are doing really well already, and they think about how much they earn per year maybe it's a hundred or two hundred or two fifty per year from their corporate job. They're doing really well, and they've spent their whole career, you know, working on getting to the spot that they're at. So they think, Is this worth it? Like, is it worth it to? work online to try to build a niche site where it might take six months before I earn a hundred dollars in one single month. And it will be hundreds of hours, potentially, maybe it's hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. And is it worth it to even try to do this because I'm making such great money and I'm so successful with my day job. So the fact is, there's no guarantees. You might go through and build a site and follow, you know, all the best practices and it might not work out as well as so many of the examples that we see online, right? Those are just the the success stories that we see. There's survivorship bias built into that and we don't know if it's worth it. And the thing is if you if everyone knew that it was going to be successful, then they would probably, everyone would do it. Everyone would go through. Now, as I'm saying that, I do realize some people would quit because they would quit too soon. They wouldn't realize that it was about to start working, but there's essentially no guarantees. And the good part with whether you're going to try and work online or you are trying to do something else Maybe it's not an online business, but any kind of entrepreneurship, anything where you're trying to build something from scratch, especially when there's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle, you'll have to learn from several disciplines. There's a strong chance you're going to learn a shitload. You're going to learn from all those different areas. So if you're launching a site, you'll learn about, well, publishing a WordPress site, you'll learn about hosting, you'll learn about publishing content, writing content, maybe hiring writers and hiring freelancers in general. You'll also learn about SEO, some networking within the SEO community. And there's probably 10 other things too, little micro skills that you'll develop. Now, on their their own, right? You might be able to launch a whole agency, a whole business based on, one of those micro skills. And it's not that much of a stretch, right? You may be shaking your head, but you can uh, build websites for restaurants, right? And you could probably charge quite a lot to set up a website for restaurants. You could use the same template uh, over and over again. You can help them figure out what needs to be on the website, right? These are business owners. These are chefs. They're people trying to, you know, cook, cook food and get people into the restaurant. They don't have time to do all the tech stuff necessarily. And it's better for them just to outsource it. Certainly that could be a six figure business. When we look at content writing and setting up like an agency, there are so many content agencies. They do extremely well. They publish content at like scale in volume and they're able to earn quite a lot of money and they have to go out there and and manage the writers and hire the writers and interface with the clients. But people pay a lot of money, go check out some of the content agencies and look how expensive the packages are and think about how much it would cost to have that content written. And then you'll kind of start figuring out some of the margins they may have. So uh, the last example is just SEO and link building, same deal. You can go look at SEO and link building companies and see what they're charging. You can look around and understand that they are making huge, huge amounts of money because a lot of people don't like to build links. They don't like to guest post and, and any of those pieces, right? They, they don't want to do it. And then there's there are SEO agencies who will work with bigger companies and then they just hire these smaller freelancers or contractors and they white label the services so that a, like an SEO agency, um, let's say I set up an SEO agency. I could then hire, uh, these cheaper suppliers, these smaller vendors that don't have the ability to get the same kind of, uh, clients that I would. And I can work with these bigger clients. I basically just sell things and then, hire the smaller companies to do the work. And that, that is done over and over and over again. I mean, this is uh, pretty classic um, like sales. And then you have your specific vendors that fulfill the other pieces of the service. So even if your website isn't, you know, quote worth it, like, is it worth it to get started and, and even try this? Even if that particular little project doesn't work out, you'll have skills, you'll have knowledge and experience at the end of that. And you'll be able to look at things with a really a fresh eye. You'll be able to see other opportunities. And I'll tell you, I've I've talked to so many folks that got started with me and got started after me, well, I guess before me too, any, anyone who has some experience. And once you get that first little taste of, oh fuck, this is actually working. Like I can earn $1 online. This is amazing. Someone found my website. Once you see that it works and you get proof because people visited your website or you get proof because Amazon sent you that first check or AdSense, Google sent you a check because someone clicked on that ad. You believe that you can do it and you see that it works. And then all you see is opportunities. You see these little problems that people have in the community. You see these, you know, issues um, that can be solved with a plugin and then you start a plugin company. So all of a sudden you just see opportunities everywhere and it's really a struggle. It's really a struggle to not start every damn thing that you think of. I was chatting with um, a pretty accomplished entrepreneur, a guy named Alan Donegan and Basically, he's trying not to start anything new. All right, it's just one of those things where once you once you get the taste and you like building things, you like starting things from scratch. There's uh, almost an endless number of things that you can get your hands into, and like I said, you start getting involved in different communities and different, um, just different sets of people and different environments you'll see problems that need to be solved, which is the root of of businesses, helping people solve problems, helping businesses solve problems. So those are the seven items. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful. And you know, part of this is I knew that I, or I know, not not new in the past, but I know that I still make these mistakes, hopefully not on the same scale, but I still overlook some of these. I, I think, oh, uh, I need to do a little bit more research and I keep you know, sticking in this cycle of research or maybe I know an expert that I could ask, but I'm just dragging my feet and thinking, oh, I'm just gonna try and figure this out on my own instead of asking the person who has already solved that problem multiple times before so a lot a lot of this was a reminder and i was thinking oh what you know what i see in myself that i am not doing all of these things or different areas where i'm not following my own suggestions here so If you have any mindset tips that you want to contribute, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show, and maybe I'll mention it in an upcoming episode and give you a shout out. So I think I'll leave it at that today. Have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.